reminded of this. This all connects with what I've been, my heart's been sitting in, some even of the stuff we've been talking about on Wednesday nights of, I'm, I'm, I've been profoundly thankful for what I feel like he has called placeholders. That there are things in our journey um, before my heart knew how to open up to him. He gave placeholders in my life. And sometimes those placeholders were uh, rules. And sometimes those placeholders were, uh, they were boundary lines and infrastructures. I'll even say sometimes that placeholder was morality. Right? Because what it did is it taught me what it meant to be identified as his son. It taught me what it meant to be in relationship with him. Is that these things provided, if I, if I can use this language, I've used this before, I grew up in the church, and I'm so grateful for that because it put a girdle on me. Right? And then what would happen is, is I would start to use the language of the girdle, and then Jesus took me out of the church and cut the girdle off. And all the places that I thought, oh, this is me, I, this is the structure, suddenly I didn't have the girdle anymore. And I realized, oh, I'm in this moment. I'm in this moment where I can return to the rules because I, I, I'm scared of myself. And I'm scared. I'm, I'm, I'm realizing I'm standing on the other side of the Red Sea, and I don't know what freedom really looks like. Because to be honest with you, I was deeper in relationship with the girdle than I was with the one that the girdle pointed to. Can I use that language? And so it's not about cursing the girdle. It's not about cursing what you came from or even the religion or the legalism that came from it. It served a beautiful and a right purpose. What we're talking about this morning is the place where all along the way, the God of the universe that the girdle's pointing towards said, I will take whatever you give me. If the best iteration, if the best understanding of me that you have is a set of rules, then I will condescend myself into those rules because I just want to be near you. All the while, journeying with you, journeying with you, journeying with you, teaching you that I am not bound by the rules in some distant God that's angry because you, you violated them. I'm in it with you, weeping over the story that has said, I am the rules. Do you hear his heart on that? He's been awakening. And he knew the exact journey he had to take for the awakening to take place. Because it's only in the awakening of his love for you that the girdle is allowed to be cut off. Because the girdle was a placeholder until intimacy, if I can use that language, until awakening of my heart can happen and I realize he's not the distant, angry authority figure that's absent in my life until I screw up. He's not the God that's, that's, that's looking over my shoulder waiting to say, well, your motives weren't entirely pure. And some of us need to hear that. Because there is a lie from the pit of hell that has God with the checklist going, well, were your motives really pure on that? And then it moves you into your head into self-analysis, and it's, it's hell. It is hell on earth because there's no freedom, there's no joy, there's no peace in it. 
So what the Lord does is he tarries with you and he journeys with you and you begin in moments when you really let your heart go to that place, you begin to get tears in your eyes. You begin to get emotional because you feel the, the emotion of God saying, child, I never wanted that for you. And that was never my intention for you. But I knew, I knew that, all, that what you could give me right now with all of your heart was the rules. And so I will stay in that place with you. I will be bound within your girdle because I love you so much. And then there's moments in the journey where he says, child, can I cut it off a little bit more? And what you discover is that what he's doing internally is he's awakening what the structure has always pointed toward. But now it's fully incarnated because our hearts have come alive in him. Does this make sense? And so there's a deepening and a widening and a broadening to where the love of God, suddenly he's not this distant God that I have to, he's not God out there that I have to adhere to and make sure I'm holy. Suddenly the revelation is, is I'm already holy. And he's cutting the girdle off to make me free in the reality that I've been set apart for his purposes. That I'm a carrier of his DNA into a broken and a dark world. That's the whole point of why we gather. Because I need you to hear me, all of hell is aimed in the culture at communicating a distant God that's analyzing your motives. That is the entire cultural system. And if we're being honest, at times, that is the entire legalistic system of the church mm -hmm. to say you're not holy enough, therefore God is disappointed. And we're perpetually trying to please a distant God that knows the answer. And I don't even know what the right question is. So we need people. We need DNAs that look different than mine or Susan's or yours. But we need people that are committed to being on the journey, the heart journey of our hearts becoming awakened. And more important than that, we need people that can sit here and go, yeah, it's hell sometimes. Hell is coming out of me right now. But I'm telling you, I wouldn't trade it for a slice of the heaven that I have. It's that good. It's that good. That's the picture that the Father has. I think Jesus, Denise, can you go to the Matthew passage? One of the things that I love to do here is right now in the lectionary, or the, yeah, it, across the world, millions and millions and millions of believers are sitting in pews right now listening to this passage read over them. They're aligning themselves. And I love this language of like, while we are uniquely special, we are all part of the bride. And part of that idea, you guys get it, is that when you recognize that you are the favored one of the Most High God, that part of the journey is entering in where everybody else is at and saying this is the riches of the, of the King of Kings. And I think Jesus, who's giving his Sermon on the Mount, recognizes the importance 
that we say, as believers, when your heart gets awakened, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I think Deanna's testimony is a testimony of this. That all of culture, she had every right to be afraid. And she stands there and the difference is the Holy Spirit has thawed her heart out enough that she sees the sliver of brokenness in a man that's violated trust. And she is moved by compassion to want to pull him in her, in her arms and say, can I tell you how the Father loves you? Can I tell you that there's redemption beyond this moment? And I just, I, I love this language of it's in the most mundane and simple things that the Spirit of God is doing this. It's literally how you go home and shoot a text to your kids or your grandkids or your nieces and nephews to say, hey, I'm thinking about you and I love you. Do you understand the darkness that gets pushed off in that moment? Do you understand that the highest realms of glory are often hidden in the most mundane of things? I need you to hear me. That the highest realms of glory are when the most mundane things are done in the glory of the Most High God. That when I say, hey, I love you and I'm thinking about you, it has the capacity to push off decades of lies in that moment. And they see something they've never seen before. Or send yourself a text. Yes. Send yourself a text. You are the beloved. I love you. I love who you are. Mm -hmm. I love who we are becoming. Send yourself a text. And watch the gates of hell. Come on. <laughs> right? Yes. And Susan gave a word that changed my life a couple about a year ago. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I do not want to put words in your mouth. She was talking to she, she, you know, you're in that moment where like the gates are wide open and there's confusion there. But you're like, Jesus, I know you're here and you're doing something. She spoke this word that that Hebrews passage that talks about our faithful and compassionate high priest. Mm -hmm. Let's pause there. This compassionate high priest, and as Bob has said, it, that compassion is with suffering. That he is like fully incarnated in your story, living side by side with you in your story, carrying the highs of highs and carrying the depths of grief. He's weeping with you when you weep. That is that His compassion is coming forward. Right? And so that place where when I'm in that place and I'm, I'm driving down the road and I don't feel his presence and I don't feel his love, his compassion is here and it's waiting to be met. 
His compassion is you're not experiencing my love for you right now. I died that you would get the full spectrum of my love at all times. My compassion is overwhelming, overwhelmingly being poured out right now because you don't know how much I love you, son. And the reality is, is that when I'm willing to risk and be compassionate with myself, there's agreement. There's agreement. And when my compassion meets his compassion, all of hell is broken off. And in that moment, the full resources of his compassion and his love are free now to become mine because they're my inheritance. So our willingness to be compassionate to our own heart and our own story, that when I get those voices that are crying the opposite of what legalism cries, you're not doing enough, the lack. It's this invitation to say, ah, he's compassionate towards me right now because I'm believing a narrative. I'm feeling, I'm experiencing, I'm thinking a narrative, man, that I know is not in his heart. So, Holy Spirit, I'm going to be compassionate right now. Help me receive your compassions. And there's a skylight moment that breaks open where I would offer darkness than fleas. Does that make sense? But part of that's our participation in it, that we're willing to be compassionate to our own story and our own heart. And if we're really being honest, that's maybe not be, that's not the narrative we grew up with. That your story is worth being compassionate toward. It's what invites the, heav- the, the heavenly realms. It's what puts us into agreement with him who is the faithful and compassionate high priest. Heresy yet? Have we hit it? take communion on that we're going to take communion on his compassion and our invitation to be compassionate towards ourself come on one of these things here is if the salt loses its flavor if the unique expression of what you're called to carry is not met with compassion because your journey maybe hasn't looked like what it's supposed to look like i was thinking about david this week And David, I'm not going to lie, he may not have enjoyed it, but he seemed pretty content to be a shepherd. We don't have any recorded evidence of David working really hard to be invited in when Samuel was coming. We don't see him jockeying for position. He kind of just accepted his lot in life. I'm a shepherd boy. I'm out here. I'm the youngest of my brothers. They're doing their thing. I guess I'll go take care of my responsibilities. So there's this place where he, I think, might have been okay with saying, this is who I'm going to be the rest of my life. And then Holy Spirit comes and says, you're going to be king. Right? Mm -hmm. The interrupted life. The interrupted life where the, the Spirit comes and anoints David as king. Can we pause for a second? Then all of a sudden, I don't know about you, I could very easily in my heart go to a place of like, glory to glory, here I come. Put the crown on my head. Can you imagine if there was ever a place as David was hidden in the caves where he's looking at the Lord going, I did not want this story. I didn't even ask to be king. I haven't eaten in a week. 
I got a bunch of people that are actually mighty men that are angry with me right now because we just lost all of their wives and children. I didn't even ask for this, Lord. You picked this. You wrote this story. And I'm living in this story. Come on. I didn't ask to be awakened. And the spirit of the Most High God goes, I know. I know. But if you'll tarry a little bit longer, you'll see what I'm doing. You'll see what I'm doing. But there's this journey that we are in. And I've been sitting in that. It's the interrupted life. Many of you all stumbled into something you didn't even you didn't even know how to ask for. I think that's most of spiritual formation with the Lord. And the whole time what the Lord's doing is he's peeling back the layers, saying, will you receive my heart for you that knows the journey has been hard at times? In some seasons, will you weep with me over your journey because I have shed many tears over the pain that you've endured? And I've danced many dances of victory. And I would like to just affirm that the spirit of the spirit of God right now is illuminating the dark places to say, will you carry both of those in your heart with me? That we've had the highs of highs and the lows of lows, even within your journey. And I've been present in both equally. That he's the faithful one. Jesus knew that so much that he lived the interrupted life as well to the point where he said, yeah, I'll do what, you, what you're asking, Lord. And maybe not even knowing from one day to the next where the Spirit was taking him. But he lived his life as a sacrifice. And on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it as this picture where he says, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the places in your life are going to feel like they have been broken. And those are the places that I promise you in this moment, I will come and I will heal and I will mend and I will fill. That my life is giving as has been given to you as a testament, as an anointing, that I will come and heal the broken places. Do this in remembrance of me. He took the cup. He says, this is my blood shed for you. For the remission of sins. God told Cain, heard Abel's blood crying out from the ground that blood has a voice Hebrews says that Jesus offered his blood once and for all as a living sacrifice and his blood speaks a better word so Jesus we come into agreement with the better word your blood is speaking the word that breaks the back of darkness that breaks the yoke of despair over our mindsets, 
that brings us into the glorious freedom that is ours as the children of the Most High God. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, do this in remembrance of me. I want to declare this over us right now. I don't care if you feel like you are nothing but the, the, the pits of hell. I need you to hear me. You are the salt of the earth. It is not you will be. It is not you hope to be. You in this journey right now are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And for some of you, the way that you retain your saltiness and the way that you shine is in the darkest places where he has invited you to go to the grave. That is the place where you stand and you say, I will not let the darkness take my voice. I don't feel it. I don't know if I believe it, but I will declare in the faithfulness of the Most High God. And and your saltiness literally exudes out of your spirit man and your spirit woman. The light gets catapulted. The hill you have may be with your kids, and that's it. But you better understand that the light that you emanate from is transformative in nature. So when he says you are the salt of the earth, don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise what feels like the grave. Don't despise the small lights that feel like it's overshadowed by the darkness. He is declaring right now in the name of Jesus. You take what I have given to you and you just begin to speak it into existence. You begin to speak it. You begin to celebrate where I have illuminated things. You begin to celebrate and you watch me push the darkness off of you. You watch your mindsets come into alignment. You watch me detox the way you see, the way you think, and the way you feel. I will transform you into the image of the Most High God. It has been predestined that you would look like Jesus. Don't grow weary. Don't bend your knee to what the culture demands of you. You stand in the face and you listen to the one voice that is declaring over you a better word. That is saying, come, a peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Neither let your heart be troubled nor let it be afraid. That the peace of the Most High God is your inheritance. And so we just bless you to walk as salt and light. In a world that is looking, that is looking for an expression of the kingdom that they can't buy, that they can't numb, that they can't reproduce. It is only birthed in the courts of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.